The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey there, everybody. Jake Mintz here, Jordan Schusterman, my virtual friend. I hope he's real. Another special episode of Baseball Barbacast over the holiday season in Wakanaka. By the time you're listening to this, will have ended. It is a crucial part of what you are about to hear. Yes, we uh, were lucky enough to be joined by Philadelphia Phillies catcher Garrett Stubbs uh, in the middle of Hanukkah. We did record this last week, um, but Stubbs is someone that, that Jake got to know a little bit, of course, during the, the Phillies postseason run that he was covering uh, for Fox Sports. And Garrett was an awesome guest, and we got into not just, of course, the, the Phillies pennant run, but what was a, a truly incredible season for him uh, on the whole. Uh, so we covered a lot of fun stuff with him, and we, we think you'll enjoy it. So we will be back after the new year with uh, some real uh, episodes of Baseball Barbercast covering news and transactions that we missed. But until then, we hope you enjoy this special interview with Garrett Stubbs. And welcome back to a very special edition of Baseball Barbacast. We are very happy to be joined uh, by not only a member of the uh, defending National League champion Philadelphia Phillies, but also a fellow Hanukkah celebrator, Garrett Stubbs. Thank you so much for joining us on the Baseball Barbacast. God, what an intro. I think that's the first time I've ever gotten the Hanukkah intro. Hey, so well, I saw a video. I saw a video of you on Instagram uh, lighting some some candelicas. Light them up. How yeah. is your Hanukkah going? By the time this is out, Hanukkah will have concluded. But you know, give us a little taste of of your eight nights. Yeah, I've got my menorah sitting right over there. My uh, we lit it night one, night two. Uh, we're probably going to keep it rolling throughout all eight days. Uh, you got to hope. But uh, yeah, we've been celebrating. We had a dinner with uh, a bunch of buddies uh, on night two. And uh, I catered and I made noodle kugel myself. Uh, yeah, I know. I felt like a real chef that night and everyone enjoyed it. I was like, I was proud of myself. Okay, so it's funny you say that. And we'll get, for everyone listening, we will talk about the Phillies at some point, I promise. But first... <laughs> Uh, the chosen people. So I had a little Hanukkah gathering at my house here a couple mm -hmm. nights ago. And one of my favorite parts about my level of Judaism is when non-Jews come over and ask you mm. questions. Is this something that you experienced <laughs> uh, the other night at your house as well, I would assume? Yes. And I was a practicing Jew for a long time up until my bar mitzvah. And then I've kind of, you know, faded a little bit and mm -hmm. I got questions and I was like, you know what, let's go to our handy dandy Google mm. and check Rabbi, out the Rabbi Google. Rabbi Google. Yes. I'm like, let's go check that guy out and see what the answer is. Hey, but by the time they were leaving, they were like, yo, Stubbs, drop the kugel recipe, man. This thing this is crazy. And I was like, you don't want to know what's inside that, but it's delicious. <laughs> all right. <Amazing. laughs> I, we could go on, on Hanukkah all day, but let's get into some baseball. Uh, Garrett Stubbs, you uh, had a hell of an October, my friend. I know Jake had the pleasure of seeing you not every day, but like a lot of days uh, during October. Um, so he has a pretty good sense of, of, of what that was about. But as someone for me who, you know, I just got to see it all uh, on TV, 
I, I, how, how do you come down from a month like that? Because I imagine, like, you've had a long, very good baseball career. You've been in the World Series before, um, you know, with the Astros. But this was different for for so many reasons, as we've all known. Now we're a little bit removed. Well, first of all, let's go back to the end of the season. How do you come down from from a month like that? Is it even yeah, possible? Yeah, I, I don't feel like you ever come down from those moments mm-hmm. and the magnitude of what you're going through until the start of the next season. Mm-hmm. Because for me at least in the past and it feels that way right now is you basically the season ends and all of this stuff has happened whether you win the world series or you come you know and win the national championship Mm -hmm. or sorry win the uh, national league championship Mm -hmm. and go to the world series end up losing whether you finish on the high or the low it just feels like this whole month comes to a complete end abruptly and you say bye to each other and with 20 within 24 hours it's like everyone's gone and so <laughs> uh the come down i feel like happens when you get to spring training mm-hmm. and you see the guys again you kind of relive some of those moments that you you know maybe did over phone calls throughout the off season and then the next season starts and it's like all right completely forget about what happened we're now on to trying to get to that next step it's such a bizarre dynamic because you go from seeing these people every day and being enmeshed in the most intense, meaningful baseball of your life, and then you wake up and it's silence in the morning and silence at night. What did you personally do that first week? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I went back to San Diego for a few days and just pretty much hung out with some of my family. Uh, I went to the beach. Um, I did not think about baseball. Um, I tried to just like basically take deep breaths. And like you said, talking about like coming down off of that huge month. Uh, Cause there is no pause, right? You think, you know, an off day, but an off day is not really an off day because you're really just thinking about the next series or the next game, whatever it may be. So I did absolutely nothing. I went to San Diego. I went to the beach. I stared at that big, beautiful ocean a couple times. Uh, and then um, since then, you know, I've started my workouts and things like that. In the baseball capital of uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Just about uh, everybody out here and every resource possible. So when you look back on the 2022 postseason, like when you tell your grandchildren about it, right? I'm sure you have many more wonderful moments in your career, but there will be something about this past October that will be difficult to replicate. We'll be, you know, we'll all be chasing that for the rest of our life. When you look back on it, what will you remember? What will endure? What is the one memory, the one moment that stands out in your head above all others? Yeah, there's certainly the the baseball moments, you know, the Reese Homer against Atlanta, uh, the the gene diving play, um, base hits from bone or doubles, I should say. Uh, obviously, the harp homer in the San Diego series, the homers in the World Series against McCullers and whatnot. Uh, but for me, and I think this goes with a lot of teams that I've heard from in the past that are successful, uh, is what you were just talking about, which is being together every single day. Uh, there wasn't a day that went by where obviously we're together at the field, 
but then there's the decision of, are you going to your hotel room by yourself because you've been with these people all day? Or are you going and hanging out and either talking about the game, talking about the next game or whatever. And this group of guys, no matter how many minutes, seconds, hours we spent together at the field, we spent just as much or more either hanging out in the hotel rooms, going to dinner. Uh, and what I'll always talk about is how much fun we had from, you know, I guess April and May wasn't too fun for the Phillies this <laughs> last year. Uh, but even even then, in those moments, there was this belief uh, from each other that kind of kept us all together. And then obviously, we went on the run from then on all the way throughout the postseason. But uh, I don't think it can be said enough. And I know the fans see it. I know there's other teams that see it. Trey Turner just signed with us and made a comment about, you know, the vibe of the Phillies and how it just seems like uh, everyone is genuine in how they feel about each other and how much energy is brought to every single game. And so I don't think it can be said enough of how great of a group of guys we had this last year. And there's, there's going to be new guys this year and some guys that aren't there again. Um, so you can never replicate the exact same thing. But uh, I think that there's – there won't be a time that goes by that I don't talk yeah. about that entire group I, of people. I have a vivid memory. I think it was after game three of the World Series when you guys pantsed Houston in, in that game. And I remember walking out of the clubhouse and I think you were talking to Marsh and you were like, yo, you trying to kick it or something like that. And I was like, what? It's like, go to bed, like go home, like, yeah. go, no. go watch TV. And like, yeah. Marsh, I, Marsh, I remember was like, yeah, 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 let's kick it. Right. Like, yeah. I, and, having, and the, like, you know, you've been a lot of, like that doesn't happen at every clubhouse for people listening. Like no. there, th- that Jordan and I have now been in clubhouses a lot. That's not commonplace. You know, guys are polite to one another, but after game through the world series at 1130 PM, people are not always hanging out with one another. Absolutely not. Uh, And that was something very unique to the group of people that we had. Um, And the best part is, is yes, we did talk about baseball at certain points when we would go hang out. But a lot of the times we're just hanging out and talking about whatever it may be um, or, you know, doing whatever. So it's it's like I said, I don't think it can be said enough how how great of a group of people we had in that locker room. Now, a big part, and Jake wrote a little bit about this as he was kind of chronicling what the energy of this team was both on and off the field. And a lot of people pointed to, you know, the daycare, right? The younger players who were a big part of it. But it was also very clear, and and your teammates would say too, is like, you are a huge part of that as well. Now, when you're the backup catcher for the best catcher in the world, you know your situation. You know your role in that spot. And we'll talk about how good of a season you had anyway, because I have a lot of questions about that. But in, as far as the postseason goes, like, is that something, a role that you have have kind of learned throughout this season? Because at one point, you were the best catcher in the room. You were the best player on the team, you know, back to college, back to high school, whatever. So this, at, at what point did you kind of get to learn like, oh, no, this is what I can do. And this is where I can kind of bring what I'm about, especially off the field. Yeah, I think that no matter what your role is, whether you are that starting catcher or you are that starting pitcher, uh, if you're the ace or you're the fifth guy uh, coming out of the starting rotation, the back end of the bullpen in a, in a big spot or, you know, down a few runs and you're trying to fill some innings. I think that 
no matter what role that is, mm-hmm. you have to absolutely own it. And just like we were talking about to the testament of the teammates that we had this year, mm-hmm. everyone owned their role, no matter what position that was. Yeah. And for me, it might not, not, might not have been high pressure physical situations on the field, mm-hmm. but that was kind of my area to help those guys who are experiencing that on a day in and day out basis, kind of take a blow and realize, mm-hmm. you know, if you just struck out in a big spot, it's, Hey dude, any of us could have done that and might have done it a lot, looking a lot worse than you just, <laughs> just now. And so it's yeah. kind of just understanding where you fit in whatever puzzle uh, and team you are on. Mm-hmm. And I think that we, as a whole, um, I know you asked me about mine specifically, mm-hmm. but as a whole, just all 26 guys and then the extended guys off the 26, because mm-hmm. we used much more than 26 guys this year. And, you know, Bailey Falter is one of those guys yeah. that gets brought up a lot. And his role of coming in and filling a fifth man rotation at times uh, was a huge part of the reason why we were in the position that we were at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just, you know, culturally, everyone understood no matter what your role is, just like play it up as much as you possibly can and understand where you fit into this. And mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, I th- you know, when you get brought up to the big leagues, would everyone like to be a superstar? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, uh, there's not going <laughs> to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Would you like to be the superstar in whatever industry you're in? Yeah. Yes. But there's, you know, whether it's a, a stepping ladder up to that place, or if that's just where your role is going to be for whatever career you're in, you know, accept that role and do the absolute best in that role that you're in. So you make a, a the, kind of the point about being that glue guy in in October and as a former you know division three college glue guy myself it was an <laughs> honor to watch you operate every day I actually am holding uh, something that my friend got me after I graduated which says the only thing close to as fun as getting losers out on the mound with your arm is getting losers out with your brain on a bucket I have this framed on <laughs> my <laughs> desk and I'm curious for you were there other glue guys that you learned from on your way up the minor league system or in college or in your first couple of years in the bigs where you looked at them and they and you said, whether that guy's an all-star or he's, you know, the third string, whatever, he comes to the yard every day with a great mentality and helps the team win baseball games without stepping on the field. Like who are those, who are your your glue guy mentors when you look back <laughs> on, on your career? <laughs> My glue guy mentors, honestly, like I want to give credit to like one person. Um, I think it's more of just my observation of teams on a, you know, blanket, blanket statement of what made this team successful. And I don't know if there was any specific guy that I was like, that is the guy that I want to be if this is the role that I'm going to be in. I think I just realized that whatever team you're on, you listen to like Kevin Millar talk about the Red Sox and winning World Series. And basically he talks about the group of guys that were in the locker room. And I feel like every single person that I've ever come across who's won a championship, that's the first thing that they talk about. Uh, You know, obviously there's got to be talent. But I played against the Nationals in the 2019 World Series. And in my opinion, that 2019 Astros team – 
could not have been more talented. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, Correct. Just like, <laughs> I don't know like where you would have replaced anybody with mm-hmm. a more talented player. Like I'm sure you could make arguments, no doubt, but that was an incredible team. And we lost to the nationals. Why? I, it seemed like they were having a better time than us, us <laughs> over there. And yeah. everyone was drawn to that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, it might've been the seriousness of, uh, uh, you know, that Astros team was very, uh, right to business. Like work. And that helped a lot. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, th- and that might've been the reason we were really good. The talent was incredible. I mean, yeah. my, my goodness, like I said, I don't know if you could have replaced anybody on that team. But like, I, so I was at game five of that world series after you guys won in DC and the Nats were having like too good of a time to, to realize that they should have folded when you guys went back to Houston. Right. Like they showed up for game six and they were like, I don't really want to go home. Right. And yeah. so they just like won and then they won again. Yeah. And and I, I do think you make a really interesting point that like people want to have a good time at work, whether you are a baseball player or you're me or Jordan or you're whatever. Like you want to go to the office and have a good time. And f- what I'm hearing from you is like in the minors, I'm sure you were on teams where people weren't enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. And and that's not fun like you don't want to get up and go do your job every day and so if you can kind of create help create that environment in an active way it just brings everybody's energy up at all times totally and to that point just about the minor leagues and whatnot is you know everyone thinks that there's just like this accelerated path to the big leagues like all these you know soup like you're just a really good player and so you get to the big leagues and whatnot i in 2000 after my 2017 season I think was a big turning point. You know, I felt like I had that was the energy guy that you see now on the field prior to pro ball. And then I got into pro ball and you go to these places in the, in the country that you don't necessarily want to be at. You're playing every single day. You're going on bus rides. And in 2017, I had a miserable year as a player. And in 2018, I figured that I would maybe be my last season. And I basically told myself and my family, like, Hey, if it doesn't go well this year, I'm, you know, this is going to be it for me. And don't, you don't have to feel bad. I'm going to have the best time ever this year. Holy knowing, shit. You, you raked. <laughs> and then knowing that it was maybe going to be the last year I ever played. <laughs> I was like, I promise you I can go 0 for 20 and it will be okay because whatever I do after this, we'll figure it out. And mm-hmm. it might be the last time I ever play. So I'm going to enjoy it. Right. And I kind of have <laughs> tried to take that mentality from that point on and just realize if you have a bad year, you know, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And you had the best year (laughs) and then, you know, you were in uh, the big leagues uh, the next year. And honestly, I think that's kind of a good transition to this year because it's it maybe helps to explain in some way that you were having a damn good time this year. You weren't in the minors at all, right? I think you spent the whole year in the big leagues. Yeah. And, you know, as a backup catcher, you're only, especially when you're the backup catcher to the best catcher, you know, you're only going to get so many opportunities. And yet in, you know, over 100 plate appearances, you had the same WRC plus as JT Real Muto, 128, right? Like by far, you know, the best offensive stretch you've had in your big league career. And I guess we don't have to get too mechanical or technical here, but how much of that was what you just described? I'm having a damn good time. This is an incredible group. And I'm just like, the vibes are great. So I'm ready to go. At the same time, that's such a hard job. We talk about how pinch hitting is one of the toughest jobs in baseball. And essentially for a backup catcher, when you're only getting so many at-bats, that's super hard to get a rhythm going. 
and yet you hit extremely well. So did something change for you mechanically or something, or do you just think you were, you were hot because everyone was hot and you were having a good time? Yeah, I think, you know, a combination of all the above. I think the everyone being hot and the mentality of all that is, is huge. I'll tell you a funny little excerpt between me and JT at one point was after the season, you know, JT is winning all these awards and I'm texting him. I feel like every week being like, dude, unreal. Congratulations. And then one of the texts was about his silver slugger. And I said, Hey, Hey, uh, JT, congrats on the silver slugger. Like freaking awesome. And I would rag him all year about, you know, hitting and whatnot. And he texts me back and he goes, second best hitting catcher on our team. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> yes. And, then, yes. and once again, a, a testament to JT because he's just a great dude, likes to have fun and very serious. I mean, when you see him out on that field, you think that he's going to murder somebody. Yes. Oh, yeah. Let's, can we, let's, I do want to take a, a quick JT. We will get back to, to praising you for your, your offensive uh, heroics <laughs> this year. We'll talk about your walk-off. But because you have the best possible insight into how amazing JT Realmuto is, right – Explain it to because it's easy for us to say. We always say like like catchers are insane. I say like I cannot believe anybody can do anything beyond the act of catching, let alone hit for any amount of high average power. All the things, let alone you know run the bases and all the be an amazing teammate and all these things is unbelievable, right? That's what makes Dude. him so amazing, and you know that firsthand. Like for, I have to say, like for me, my biggest takeaway from this postseason was that that guy is a fucking hoss. Like just <laughs> oh seeing him God. on a day to day basis up close, it. it it's mind blowing. And so, yeah. but again, you see it every day. And so just explain to the average fan what makes him so amazing and, and how it's to the degree that which you are also in awe of it as also a major league catcher. Yeah. It's impossible not to be in awe of JT unless you do not realize, which I don't think anybody actually can realize the, am- the amount of intensity and workload that is put on his body year in and year out and what it feels like to go through an entire season or maybe even just a month of a season and catch as many games as he does and still put up the numbers that he does offensively and defensively. There is not another guy in the big leagues. And I feel like I can say this with 100% confidence that can do what JT Real Muto does. Not one. And it, that doesn't mean the others aren't incredibly good at what they do. It just means that JT is in another echelon of elite. And totally, I hope that one day I get to go and this is very premature, but I hope that one day I get to go to Cooperstown and watch JT get inducted into the hall of fame, because I think that he is that good at at what he does. Yeah. And it's, it's so hard because with guys like him is, is for the average fan who doesn't understand how much goes into it, it's, the numbers aren't necessarily going to like jump off the screen in the same way that a right fielder or a DH will. But when you factor everything that goes into it, it's just, it's, it's, it's impossible to fathom. He is. I firmly believe that if, if you took him and you just like stuck him in left field for a year, he he could, he could just like win the MVP. He he could just have like a 160 OPS plus and just, yeah, you call him a hoss. I mean, the guy is literally just like the, like if you were like, all right, build me a, a athlete in a lab. You're like, all right, well here's here's what yeah. we built. His name's JT Romoto. And I'm sure I don't know how much he talks about it, but I've I've written about it in the past. 
he's essentially like the Bo Jackson, Jim Thorpe of Oklahoma high school sports. And I encourage everyone to just go do some reading on what JT Rumuto was like in high school because it's, I mean, the records he was setting in multiple sports is just I don't doubt it. Yeah. Okay. Enough JT love. No, He's great. Slobbing on uh, JT right now. <laughs> I know. Okay. Let's just, get back to you. Let's get back to you. And send me an attack. Yeah. That man does not. There's no way that guy listens to podcasts. He's <laughs> he too busy in the gym. Yeah. He he's not listening to podcasts. No. Okay. So let's talk about it. because because the, the 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 peak of course your offensive moment of your season was the walk off home run middle of June against the Marlins. Uh, Jake, I believe you looked this up earlier. I, I believe it yeah. was one of, by win probability added, like one of the most dramatic was, swings, single the swings 11th, of the whole season. It was the 11th most important swing, like st- like game changing, percent, like win- game yeah. changing swing win of the entire season. Yes. Yeah, win probability added. Exactly. It was 11th. In so baseball. it's it's an incredible highlight, and like you hit your first career big league homer this season, right? So it's like you had you had again. It's it's funny now because of what we're talking about. You had two homers in college, if I'm seeing this correctly. So that's correct. So Fresh this year, senior year, there you go, and th- you hit your third. Uh, you know, a, a few months into the season, and I mean, again, we'll, we'll, you know, we can show, you guys can see the clips, but I, just let's talk about this because. What a moment, you know, down to your last strike against a hard-throwing lefty, and you hit a freaking walk-off home run with JT Romuto on base, who had just pinch hit, right? So that was also cool to see him uh, waiting yeah. for you at home plate. So yeah, let's just yeah. tell us about that. Yeah, walk us uh, through that moment, man. Sure. So, I mean, for me, in any situation where uh, you have an opportunity to win the game, right, uh, or keep the game going, right? Like, mm-hmm. I could have – I promise you, I promise you – there was not a second of or piece of me that thought, yeah, let's hit a walk-off homer right here. I promise you. Because the, <laughs> the tying run is on second base, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking Kyle Schwarber's hitting behind me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, all right, let's just get that guy to the plate. I'm trying to not get out. The goal is yes. to not get out. Yeah, yes. I'm like, I'm like the Kyle Schwarber's behind me. Let's just find any way to get him to the plate, whether that be walk, hit, get on on an air. I didn't, right. didn't matter. I was like, get that guy <laughs> to the plate and we got a chance. And I end up seeing five sliders in a row and, and Bohm even said it from second base. There was a slider that was, I think I looked back at it. It was like clipped the clipped the corner on out, like on the outside corner, like in a one, two count or something. And he called it a ball. And, but I thought like in my head in that moment, I'm like this, that was a ball. And I was locked in and Bohm came in afterwards after all the, the, you know, mayhem and yep. goes, you were so locked in. When you took that pitch, I was like, there's no way he gets out. And I truly felt that way in that moment. And then he ends up throwing me one in the heart of the plate that I, like I said, promise you, I was just trying to hit the ball somewhere where somebody wasn't standing. And it just so you happened sure to did. that there was no one standing in the bleachers in right field. And the, I think the reaction of Schwarber on deck in the video of him throwing his helmet and chucking his bat up in the air is probably my favorite angle of the whole thing. Um, but absolute blackout moment and... <laughs> Just everything inside of me just going, did I just do that? 
Right. Right. My also, part, my favorite part of this, okay, is that this happens June fifteenth, right? And oh, this is is this this is right before Bryce gets hurt. Okay, so I was wrong about that. Yeah, Bryce Bryce was Bryce but, would just before he had gone right. down, but it was but right after they, Thompson had became the manager. It was right. Like, it was yeah. like right when things kind of started flipping for you guys. And having seen you all all, all October, like Bryce is not a motive he's not and like when he hit that home run against the Padres you guys are going ballistic and he doesn't he doesn't move a muscle right (laughs) he very rarely goes nuts it it, it was it reminded me of like watching Messi in the World Cup right it was like Messi scores he's like yeah like of course I score like I'm I'm Messi I'm Bryce Harper whatever but when you hit this home run Bryce loses his mind like absolutely loses his mind and I just I can only think of like 20 times, like 15, 20 times where Bryce has completely lost his vibe. And the fact that you got like the the chosen one, like the best player <laughs> we've most housing guy we've ever seen to just lose it. Ah, oh, it's just such yeah. a great highlight. It's thank you. Yeah, so much. I mean, like the the excitement from we we were joking the next day because Eflin's knee was uh bummed at that point. He was yeah. on the IL. And in the video, we were, we were laughing because Eflin does a full jump over the rail onto the field with his hands up. And we're like, hey, looks like Eflin's knee's feeling pretty good. <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the expectation for me versus uh, Bryce Harper is obviously much different. Mm. And with me saying all those things about getting short of the plate, it wasn't, it's not like I don't have any belief in myself. I truly right. am there with the belief that I'm going to get Schwarber to the plate and we are going to win this game. Just the result of the home run might've been a little extra than I would have thought, but the excitement and how genuine it is from Harp and other guys on the bench, I think, you know, they just, we all just love to see each other succeed. And I think that that was just another one of those moments where it was like, you know, Stubbs isn't getting his opportunity all the time. So for him to come up in a moment and have success with the limited opportunities that he has, I think everyone just kind of really felt for that. And we all got to celebrate together, which is something Mm -hmm. Jake got to see in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. absolutely love nothing more than to celebrate wins together. So it was another moment. I think Stott had hit a walk-off homer. um, Yeah. Not much before that and so it was two nine hole hitters um that had opportunities and took advantage of them so uh, just like cool moments throughout the whole year garrett Stubbs, this has been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for your time we hope you enjoy the rest uh, of your hanukkah and we will uh we'll see you in miami as and team israel looks to take down some of the baseball juggernauts of the world right. i appreciate you guys having me on I had a blast Serious XM Podcasts.